Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is winning at football and freight with my friend Des Clark. Des Clark is a force of nature. He played 12 years in the NFL. He's written two books, and he's a much sought-after motivational speaker. Now Des is bringing his winning ways to logistics as the president of Bear Down Logistics. And by the way, he uh, was a Chicago Bear, so naming the company Bear Down Logistics makes a lot of sense. Check out my interview with Des Clark. But... Before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Port X Logistics. Port X Logistics is an asset-based transportation company, and they specialize in containerized freight. So if you're having trouble moving your cargo out of the port, very common problem, then reach out to my friends over at Port X Logistics, and their website is portxlogistics.com. They're experienced, and they offer service at every single port, and every single rail ramp in the United States and Canada. They have an approach that is guided by their four pillars, which is culture, service, tech, and trucks. Again, check them out over at portxlogistics.com. So how's it going, Des? It is going pretty good. How are you doing, Joe? Doing great, doing great. So please introduce yourself and your company and where you're calling from today. Yeah, so first of all, I'm calling from the great state of Florida here in Orlando, about 45 minutes from where I grew up in Lakeland, Florida. So I am back home now, moved back here in 2020. The name of my company is Bear Down Logistics. I think if you know me and know what I've done, uh, what I did for 12 years in my life, you know why it's called Bear Down Logistics. But if you don't know, I played in the NFL for 12 years. And I played eight of those years with the Chicago Bears. So that's why we have Bear Down Logistics. Very nice. Yeah, went, went to school at Wake Forest and um, graduated there with a communications degree and been a good ride. Yeah, so what does Bear Down Logistics specialize in? Tell us a little bit about your biz. Yeah, so we specialize in the state of Florida. And that's, that's, that's about as plain as I can put it. We do everything from when those boats hit the shore, from the drayage to the transloading to the warehouse, warehousing, devanning, all the way to the over the road with your flatbeds, your dry vans, and also your reefers and other modes of uh, transportation. But we really focus right here in Florida because we want anybody who is bringing freight from across seas to to the ports of Florida to know that we are their go-to third-party logistics broker. So what ports are there in Florida? There are three major ports that we really service. uh, Jacksonville, which is North Florida, Tampa, which is Central Florida, and then um, I almost said Orlando. But I meant to say Miami, which is South Florida. So those are the three major ports here in in Florida. So that would mean that that stuff is coming from somewhere on the uh, on the Atlantic side. So that's not coming from Asia typically, or is it? Is it going through the Panama Canal now? It is. You, I think it was last year, the year before last. Things were getting backed up yep. out there in L- in um, L.A. and um, Long Beach. And I think it was a threat of a strike and, and some other stuff that was going on out there. It might have been a strike. And that's when stuff started to keep going and, and go through the Panama Canal and come up through the Gulf of the Gulf of Mexico. So you've seen the East Coast and the Gulf, they're, they're, they're not the capacity, but the amount of ships that's coming that way has increased over the last year or two. Yep. Guys, I, I've talked to these people who know more about this than I do about the 
the ports. And I know for a long time we had most of the all the Asia freight coming to the West Coast, and then it would get from the port, it get drayed over to usually a railhead. And that mm-hmm. would see the railroad oftentimes take it to Chicago, other places east of California. But during the pandemic, we had that huge jam up out there at Port of LA, Port of Long Beach, which I guess are side by side. But uh, we always we always say LA and Long Beach, like they're the same port, but they're just side by side, I believe. And then they have an international longshoremen's union out there on the West Coast. We also have one on the East Coast, and they're not the same union. So the one on the West Coast has been threatening... I shouldn't wrong way to say it. They are having uh, labor considerations about yeah negotiations. And I guess what's happened traditionally is when they're going through those negotiations, there's a slowdown or a potential slowdown. And I think some people, a lot of companies who were burned during the last uh, pandemic don't want that again. So they're like, all right, we'll go through the port, go through the Panama Canal and go up on the East Coast. And the East Coast has a union that uh, I guess is a little easier to work with right now. <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, right now. And I guess that's traditionally been the case. But, you know, again, no, 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 no hate here. I don't know. Those working in a port used to be a really horrible job. People died in those jobs. So they got a very strong union. I don't think that anyone's dying over there anymore. They're getting paid. <laughs> right. Which they should. They do a very, very important job. And you know, we couldn't have the things that we have every day that no one thinks about. We just go to the store and we pick it up and never think, think about how, how it actually traveled to get on the shelf. Yep, yep. I think if you look, if you just Google it, what does a longshoreman make? It's well over 300000 average. I mean, that's it might not be a lot of money for uh, playing in the NFL, but it's a lot of money to work in logistics. It's a lot of money, period. <laughs> yes, it, it's, a, it's a lot of money. Absolutely. So let's switch gears. Let's talk a little bit about you. So I know you played in the NFL, but where did you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights, your football career highlights, and then what you did after you played. Yeah. So I grew up in Lakeland, Florida. Home of the home of the Tigers. And the that's where my Tigers play. They are the longest tenured um, MLB team with a city for spring training. Yeah. So kid, people would go down there and play and watch. Oh, yeah. I think it's going on 100 years now that they've been um, doing spring training in Lakeland. So, yeah, I went to Kathleen High School, was All-State in both football and basketball. In mean, high school, I was privileged enough and, and uh, talented enough to, to go to Wake Forest University after high Wait, school. where is Wake Forest? Wake Forest is in North Carolina, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So, went to Wake Forest, did well as a student athlete there, left Wake Forest as an all-time ACC leading receiver, and was drafted in, in the sixth round of the NFL draft in 1999 to the two-time world champion Denver Broncos. They were the two-time world champion Denver Broncos the two prior years before I got there. And then when I got there, I messed up all the juju because they, they um, didn't win again in 2015 after I left years and years after. So you, you went from Broncos to where? Broncos to Miami. So I played three years with the Denver Broncos, one year with Miami, and then uh, eight years with the Chicago Bears. You had quite a career. I know that. Um, So getting back, you were a student athlete. And I've said this a million times to people. Student athletes are more likely to graduate than regular students. 
And I always think that's pretty tough because you got a, I will say part-time job, but I suspect it was more like a full-time job. Like you football. have a workload. Yeah. So when you play college, when you play college uh, ball, you, you have a, they can only require you to participate for 20 hours a week. Only? <laughs> no. So that's the only, that's the only thing that they can mandate, but they have this voluntary stuff that ain't voluntary. It's like you better get your butt there or else, right? You, you know, when, Hey, we got a voluntary lift. You, you got to show up to voluntary lift. So it's much more than 20 hours. Well, then how do you get the academics done? You know what? There, there is time in the day, right? And it's good for athletes. And I think that's why when, when athletes leave college and when they leave the NFL, they're more prepared for the real world more than most people that, that went to college. We know some screw-ups, right? Right. We've all they're, seen that. They're the ones we notice. <laughs> right. But but the ones that we don't notice are those ones that has they've been mentally and physically prepared to put in that extra effort. Like regular people don't get up at 530 in the morning and have to run out in the snow for training. Right. They don't have to do that. They don't have to get up in, in, in the you know, summertime and go and train when it's 95 degrees outside and you're almost about to die. Putting your self through physical, emotional, and mental stress just to strengthen you, right? And that that pays dividends later on in life because now when, you know, I get here sometimes at four o'clock in the morning, I'm ready to go. And I had one of my one of my employees ask me one time, and how do you keep up with this with, with this schedule that you do? And to me it's nothing. This is just the way I've I was I've been brought up as an athlete. You know, we get up and we go and we get the job done and you don't get tired until the job is done. Like you don't allow yourself to get tired until you know that, Hey, I'm complete with what I have to, to do today. Yeah. Before we hit record, we were talking a little bit about football, of course. And um, I'm a big Michigan football fan. And I remember there was a player at university of Michigan and he had some, he had some problems off the field, but they straightened him out and he did graduate. And he spoke at, the banquet and I wasn't there, but I heard, I heard the speech and it was written down. And basically what he said is we had a bad season. We lost this many games. He goes, games are like three hours, three and a half hours. He says, so he says, we have year round. We're, we're on this team. We're going to practice. We're going to study halls. We go to school, we do this. And he says, and then at the end, when we lose a game, that's three hours. He goes, that's how people want to look at us. And he says, no one manages time better than us. No right. one grinds more than us. And if, if you look and go, all you see is those five losses and go, yeah, you guys suck. You have no idea. <laughs> and it's not, I'm sure you're very physically strong when you're playing those sports, but mental toughness. And it reminds me during the pandemic, I was sitting around not doing as much. My gym was closed and uh, not going anywhere. And I remember sitting around drinking sangria and eating corn chips, feeling fat. I remember I saw David Goggins on TV. Guys, you need to check out David Goggins. Get your ass up and start to do something. Quit being a lazy ass bum. Yeah. I know how David Goggins talked to people. Yeah, and it's funny. I started. I listened to his books and I started looking at him on YouTube. By the way, guys, look him up. 
he was a Navy SEAL, but more importantly, he was like a hundred pounds too heavy to be a Navy SEAL. And he lost that weight. He got down to 197. I think he was up to 297. But he is, he always says, when somebody says to me, you don't know what it's like, I'm 100 pounds. He's like, yes, I do. (laughs) Right, right. And I remember going out for a walk in the rain. It's cold. I'm in Michigan. It was winds blowing. I was like, you know what? This is nothing compared to what an athlete goes through or what a, a Navy SEAL goes through. That getting comfortable with being uncomfortable is something that is second nature to you and a real challenge for a lot of us. We don't push ourselves. Right. So it's, it's, and and I'm looking at something that I told my team this morning, I was just pulling it out, but every every week we have a word that we grind on. And and this week it was decide. And and I went real deep, Joe. I, um, I even looked up the the Latin root of the word, <laughs> and the Latin root of the word is d d e c i d e r e, and in day, the fir- the first part of that is of or off, and the second part of it is cut. So the the word the root meaning of the word is to cut off, and when and when you decide, and this th- these are athletes, and not just athletes. There there are a lot of people out there who can do you know, phenomenal stuff physically and mentally that don't have to be an athlete. But when, when you want to be a, a top quality athlete, you have to decide to cut off a lot, right? First thing you have to decide is to cut off the damn excuses. <laughs> there, there are no, you, you have to get it done. There is no excuse. You know, if, if one person can do it, we all can do it. So that's something that I always look at for, for athletes in particular and for, for high achiever, achievers, that they decided, right? They decided to cut off anything that's not intentional to what they're trying to get accomplished. And everything that is is not, that's a distraction, they decided to leave that in the back. And, and that's how you get high achievers. And that's that's what we, what we preach here at um, Bear Down Logistics is, hey, we want to decide to be great. And if we if we're not, doing something intentional that's going to lead to the greatness of you as an individual and us as a company. Well, we leave those distractions alone when we're here in this building. Yep. Yep. Well, that's a great message. And it reminds me years ago, I was listening to Braylon Edwards, another Wolverine played a little bit in the pros too. Great player. And he said that one of the first days you're a, in rookie camp, they have some program where the NFL gets you all together. And he says, Herm Edwards spoke mm-hmm. to us. And Herm Edwards, he said, told us, I want you to imagine being out of the league. I want you to imagine that this is your last day, not your first day playing. And what are you going to do? And and I remember also, I thought it was funny. He said, guys, you need one house. You need one car and one girl. <laughs> What's your wife or girlfriend? He goes, if you decide you're going to have a whole bunch of houses, you're going to go broke. <laughs> you, want, you want to have a whole bunch of cars, just more hassle. You're going to not have focus. He goes, one girlfriend, one wife, one or the other, not both. <laughs> and right. and I remember thinking, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense because, you know, I'm mature. Well, if most of us <laughs> never have to worry about being rich and famous at 22 years old and then being told, Focus, focus on being a great athlete or you're not going to be here next year. 
man, I'd be dead if you gave me that money at 22 years old. Right. Well, here's the thing. Most of them can't focus. We can compartmentalize a lot. So that's why they made it. Whatever is going on off the field, you know, sometimes seep on to, onto the field. But most of the time, guys can put those partitions up and come on that field and focus. I played with a guy that partied four to five nights out of the week, and he would come in drunk half the time to the to the meetings, and he would tell me to tap him if the coach woke him up. But the the unbelievable thing, I mean, if the coach was going to ask him asking him a question, the unbelievable thing was when the coach would be ready to call on him, and I would tap him, he would wake up with the right answer. <laughs> And he would go out to practice and wouldn't miss a beat. But he would come in in the morning smelling and reeking of alcohol. Oh, God. But, you, but his performance was, was great. So that's not, the, that's not the way that you would want to draw it up. But I've seen a lot of athletes that can, that can focus, you know, on the field for those, you know, those six, seven, eight hours that we're in that building. And then whatever they do off the field, don't bother them. But that's... That's not the norm. Usually when your off the field life is not congruent with your on the field life, it bleeds in and affects and affects the other. Even um, and, and it's, a, it's, it's the same. It's the same way. It's the same way when you're working at a, you know, at a job or you're an entrepreneur or whatever you're doing. When when your home life is a wreck, it's going to bleed into your professional life. And, and you know what? And sometimes it's things that you can't necessarily control that stuff happens right that's why with, with my guys here i try to stay in tune to who they are what they're about you know what's going on outside of here so i know how to how to help nurture them because my my job here with bear down logistics is to make sure that all of those guys are successful we come in we talk about what's what's going to make you successful i mean i'm sorry how do you define success right define that for me because if you can't define it you can't work with me because my job is to make sure that you're successful. And if you're successful, we're going to be successful. And now once you define it, now we talk about what do we need to do to engineer that success, right? And then understanding the things that's going to take away from that success and make sure that we are attuned to those things. So all we have to do is stand the process of greatness every day. And that process of greatness is this, we're going to execute the details in excellence consistently over time. Just as an athlete would do, we're going to do the same thing here at this job. And when you think about that, Joe, you think about anybody who you say is excellent, that's what they did. They executed the details in excellence consistently over time. And then over time, somebody like, oh, man, that guy's been doing a good job so long. He is freaking great. So that's the process of greatness that we get into every day. Yeah, I love that. I I read a quote today and I've heard it before, but I saw it today and it was saying, you don't become successful. You develop habits and those habits make you successful. And conversely, those habits can make you unsuccessful. Absolutely. Joe, I had a post the other day. I told, I told, uh, start entrepreneurs. Don't focus, don't focus on the million dollars. Don't focus on it. Focus on the individual steps, the individual processes, the individual interactions, the individual transactions, the individual, that, that process that's going to get you to a million dollars. Define it. Know what you want to get. But now break it down. What are the steps? 
And then if you focus in on those steps every single day and you do the, do the little details right every single day, and if you are in business as an entrepreneur, you create a win, win, win situation for your customer, your vendor, and yourself, and you focus in on those details, the million dollars will be there. There you go. It's, it's going to be there. But you can't focus in on that. So I want to talk a little bit about when you left pro sports. So you left. What, what was your last year playing? Uh, 2011 preseason was my last year. So did you already know what you were going to do when you left? What was your plan? Not a clue. Not a clue. <laughs> Didn't have a plan. At the age of 14, my only plan was I, I want to be successful. So I've played 12 years. This going into my 13th year when I got released. I'm already successful, Joe. I'm yeah. I, I've I've accomplished that, right? And and it's and it's weird. Not it's not even weird. It's it's reality. Like the things that come out of your mouth, you cast spells on yourself. So mine was I want to be successful. I never did define that outside of Playing getting pro a good sports. Job being, no, it wasn't even pro sports. It was just going to college, getting a good job. And I went to college, I graduated, I got a good job. So I didn't know what was next. So then I had to figure it out. But Joe, what I did, it was 2013 when I did it. And this is one of my principles of winning that I tell people. I define what my name and my, what my word meant to me. And then I said, you know, who am I going to be for the rest of my life? And it took, it took me two years to get to that. And then once I defined who I was going to be for the rest of my life, and then I defined what I wanted my name and my word to me and everybody else, then I was able to start navigating my way through life because I had some type of compass that I was able to, to um, go by. And, and today, to, I think today I posted it on LinkedIn, my purpose statement. Oh, excellent. Do you remember what it was? Yep, with excellence being the standard, my purpose is to, um, and let me read it verbatim just so I don't better. mess it up. Because it's been, it's been a while since I, um, since I actually said it. So with excellence being the standard, my purpose is to enhance the lives of others through any expertise or resources available to me within reason and with respect for my family, whom are primary, making every effort to transform strangers and associates alike into extended family members. So there's a lot that goes into that statement, but now I have this, this vehicle called logistics and bear down and bear down logistics where I have a resource where I'm becoming an expert, right? So now I have this resource that I can use to help other people live the best lives that they can possibly live by coming in, doing an excellent job, paying them well, giving them good commission splits. And now they get to go out and live the lives that they that they dreamed of because of this resource. And that's what I truly do it for, for that purpose. And I get to live out my purpose every single day as founder, uh, owner, CEO, president, whatever you want to call me of Bear Down Logistics. It's pretty freaking cool when, when I sit back and I think about it. And I have a guy down here today, Corey Davis, who I'll say, Corey, you are about $15,000 short of being able to call yourself a million dollar business. That sounds really good to tell someone. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, really? And what I mean by that is once you start making $83,000, $333 a month over 12 months. Now you can call yourself a million dollar business. And he, he is right at, he's probably going to finish up this month right around 70,000, right? 
So now next month, all you got to do is increase it just a little bit more. And then he'll be right there where he can start calling himself a million dollar business if he continues to keep growing that number. That's that's pretty freaking cool to help somebody say, you know what? I run a million dollar business. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Lean Solutions Group. Lean Solutions is a nearshore offshore service provider, and they provide a range of services, including operations, technology, marketing, sales, and business process outsourcing. They work with over 500 U.S. transportation and logistics companies. And what they have is this model where they have satellite offices down in Colombia, Guatemala, Mexico, and the Philippines. And their their approach is real low cost, low risk, low hassle. They have 9,000 employees now. They're one of the fastest growing companies in America. And again, everybody I know seems to be working with them. But if you're not working with them, check them out. Lean Group, L-E-A-N group.com. And by the way, my podcast is edited by someone from Lean, Lean Solutions Group. They're a fantastic company. I just did an interview with Ryan Mann. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Check them out. So when you got out, by the way, guys, I don't think this will surprise any of you. Des also does some motivational speaking. But, you know, it's funny when you say it's motivational speaking, I always think, it's more than motivation. It's discipline where you're preaching because I, I, I listen to Goggins and guys like Goggins. I'm sure you say the same thing is you can't wait for motivation. You got to have discipline to get, be successful. Your, your Corey isn't successful because every, every day he wakes up motivated. He wakes up disciplined every day or he tries to. <laughs> right. But then that's, that's why you have, that's why I'm here. Right. Because Corey, if Corey was in here, Corey walking in and, and he'll tell you, it's like, yeah, it was some days that Desmond had to like light a fire up under me. But that's okay. That's that's my job. You know, I think one of the things that I helped Corey understand was his language. Like when I would ask him a question, you know, a lot of times, or, or, or I would give him a task or something to do, a lot of times he would, oh man, that's going to be tough. Or man, that's going to be, and one day I was on my way out and, and, and I had gave him a task and he leaned back in his chair and was like, man, that's going to be pretty hard to do, man. And I turned around, I was like, Corey, <laughs> stop telling me it's going to be freaking hard. Like I know logistics ain't easy, brother. And you wouldn't be sitting in that chair if I didn't think that you could get it done. So quit telling me it's hard all the time. Quit telling me how difficult it's going to be. And maybe ask me a question about, hey, so I maybe don't, I don't understand this part. Can you help me to solve this so I can do what you're asking me to do and I can get to where I want to go? Ask me how. Don't tell me how hard. Right. And, and I think I rubbed him the wrong way that day because he was quiet for the rest of the day. But I know coming back in that he appreciated that because like he like he told another employee, he don't he doesn't have anybody else in his immediate circle to challenge him like that to get better. And so Cora was making from January, February, and March, he was leveled off. And this was this was right at the end of March, beginning of April sometime, when I when I just started pushing him, like, yo, change your language. 
You got to do more of this. You got to do more of that. You remember when you came in, you said that this was going to be what you were trying to achieve. Like you're not getting up at six o'clock in the morning, Corey. I'm here at six o'clock in the morning. I'm working out. You say you wanted to do this. When you're going to start doing it? Because this is what you said. This is not what I said. Your wife deserved this. You said that you wanted to do this for your wife. This is what you said. I'm going to challenge you right now to get this done. Not for me. Of course, I'm going to benefit from it also, but I don't want to do it just for me. I want you to do it because that's what you said that you wanted to do. And sometimes you have to do that. And since then, yeah, I, I joke about this, but you ever, I go to the gym and I work out and I always joke that I haven't worked out as hard as I should some days. Cause I don't have a coach running behind me, calling me, <laughs> calling me names. <laughs> Come on, Joe. Come on. <laughs> and well, I'm an entrepreneur, and a lot of entrepreneurs, they're they're busy, and the, and usually they're motivated, and they usually they're fairly disciplined. But you don't have somebody pushing you sometimes. And I've I've said to I've said to a friend one time, he says I I used to be really motivated, and I used to be really disciplined. I said when, and he said when I had that job, I go. That wasn't your discipline. That wasn't your motivation. That was your boss. <laughs> you got to get, you got to be a self-starter. And by the way, he's very successful. So it's not like he's not doing something, but it was funny when he said, I used to be disciplined. I used to be motivated. I was like, somebody else tells you, you have to do it as a condition of employment. Don't call it discipline. <laughs> but look, Joe, it, it really don't matter what a discipline is coming from. Right. As long as you're getting it right. As long as you're getting it like, when I, when I was in college, that wasn't my discipline. No, <laughs> <laughs> but I learned. But I learned to be disciplined from somebody else's discipline, right? And and I under, I started to understand. You got in the habit what, of it. Yeah, I got. There you go. It became it became who I am as a person, right? And that's and and that's what you if you do it long enough, you, it has just become who you are. Yeah. By the way, there's a book called Atomic Habits that I love. Yes. James Clear. And he was an athlete. And he got hit in the face with a baseball in high school, almost died, and had to relearn a lot of brain functions. And uh, he wrote this book, and it was all about habits. And it, by the way, it is, the be I think, the best book about habits. But after I had COVID, I think this is last August, I had COVID. It kicked my ass. Oh, my God. And I remember going to the gym and I went, it's like, I'm winded, just walk into the gym. And I, and I, I didn't go for a few months. I was going for a walk. That was it. And I was like, I gotta get back to the gym. And I remember walking into the gym and I said, I'm going to come every day. I don't care if I'm here for 10 minutes, I'm coming every day. And you know what? After a while you're there, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, oh, I worked out for 30 minutes. <laughs> I worked out for 40 minutes. I'm actually sweating today. <laughs> and so I always tell people, Go in for the shittiest workout you can. <laughs> just get there. <laughs> just show up. That's half of the battle, just showing up. Just show up. Yep. So anyway, after you left pro football, what did you do before you uh, started Bear, Bear Down Logistics and your motivational speaking business? Yeah, so first I was in real estate for about a year and a half before I decided to go and be a financial advisor. Got my Series 7, Series 66 license. And um, started with a, a smaller outfit in, in Chicago and then went on to uh, Mass Mutual Chicago, where, I mean, it, it's just, man, I, I've just been blessed to be around so many great leaders. At Mass Mutual Chicago, my partner, he recruited me um, and to start a 
a business with him under the Mass Mutual flag. He ended up becoming the CEO of Mass Mutual Great Lakes. I mean, your neck of the woods. Wow. So, yeah. So look him up, Manny Omesqua. He's um, big time, big time. And so having that opportunity to work with him really pushed my skill level and my mindset to a higher level, working with him, just understanding you know, what it takes to get to that level, seeing him grind it out. And then from there, you know, I, I kind of grew tired of the that world and said, you know what, I want to go out and I want to make an impact with the things, the experiences and the words and, and the passion that I have for seeing people be at their greatest level. So I wrote my book. Oh, what's the name? Principles of Winning, Five Keys to Establish Excellence. And with that, I started speaking in 2020 and then all of a sudden COVID hit. Then there was no speaking, but we got back to it in 2021. And that's when I was introduced to logistics by my good friend, Brian Rice, who was my mentor for me getting started in logistics. If you go and look at his um, logo, it looks very, very similar to this. <laughs> so yeah, he was a guy who um, implanted that, that logistics bug in me and he mentored me through the first part of my logistics existence and um, got me going. But um, yeah, I did, did, did a couple things before getting here, but the most impactful one that I could say that I, I was doing was the motivational, inspirational speaking and, and leadership um, coaching. Well, it's, it's interesting. One of the things typically when somebody says, do you have experience? They say it's experience in the space, right? Mm -hmm. There's another thing you look at is, do you have experience in winning? Do you have experience with leading a team? And that's obviously just as important. I mean, and, and that's what we get. I, I always say I'm, I feel like I'm a good fan in that when I watch sports, I recognize that those guys who are everybody involved is elite. <laughs> the guys who are sitting on the bench in an NFL game would be the best athlete who ever played in your city. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I was telling you before we hit record that my son-in-law always says, the booing comes from the cheap seats, meaning people who don't know what it's like to ever put themselves out there, to ever have the opportunity to win or lose. So I think a lot of people kind of spend a lot of time just saying, well, I just want to get along. I don't want to, I don't want to go over the top. And I think that's why having a boss like you is helpful because you won't, you won't let them go. I just want to kind of, Des, do you mind if I float? You'll be like, yeah, you can float, just not here. <laughs> No, and, I, and I have a style why, why I, I, I tweak people. I'm not, I'm not the, the type to kind of jump on people and attack them unless, you know, it, it really, really calls for it. But I like to tweak people. I like to study people and then study their movements and what they're doing, how they're doing, and then understand how I can say this or do that or recommend something or, you know, just those little tweaks. To, to turn people up just just a notch because people are not going to go from, you know, 75 to 95. They're going to go from 75 to 77, 77 to 80. And you got to know how to gradually increase their productivity, their awareness. That's a lot of it, just the awareness of what's going on. Because most people, once they're aware of something, good people who care, once they're aware of something, they'll do better. But if they're not aware of it, they're not aware of it and they can't do better. So a lot of it is just getting them to be aware of the things that's holding them back because we're going, we're going, we're going. A lot of times we don't study ourselves. So it takes other people to study you just to see, 
that's what I that's what I like to do. I like to bring in, like I said, words like decide to create thinking, right? Man, I never thought about that like that. Well, now that you're thinking about it like that, now that's gonna just move you just just a notch, just a notch. But all we all we're trying to do every day is just just get just slightly a bit better. Learn something new that makes you more more of a thinker. So now you can actually go out and execute. And by the way, oh, I know we don't have that much time, but man, this is what I want to, uh, something that I want to tell people, something that hit me the other day. So it's, it's the use of words and language. And when you use words and language, like when you're talking, you don't have to think. But when you think, you have to use words. You cannot think without using words because we think in, in word terms. Right. Right. So the more words that we know, the the more vast our vocabulary is, the bigger our thinking could be. Because if you have a very small vocabulary and it takes vocabulary and words to think and you don't know that many words to think through your thoughts, well, you're not going to be a great thinker. Right. And the reverse is also true. When you have a vast vocabulary, now you could vividly think through things because you got so many descriptions and, and so many things that you can refer to as far as words to think through it, that now you're a better thinker. So I say all of that to say, read, get a good vocabulary, and then you'll be able to better think through the situations, the processes, and some of the difficult things that come up in life that's going to take that critical thought. Yes. I'm, by the way, one of the things I always feel like about reading, I like to read. I listen to a lot of books. So I go for a walk, go to the gym, go shopping. I'll be listening to books. And it occurred to me in the last few years is you have basically the collective knowledge of the planet on YouTube. <laughs> I can watch you talk on YouTube. I can watch scientists talk on YouTube. Or I can turn over and watch a whole bunch of sitcoms, which I do. I'm not saying I don't. Right. I can watch the news where I can hear people argue, or I can go over and learn something. And I always feel like we have such advantage right now. I can watch the I can watch the most successful people, people I look up to. I can watch them talk about how they got there. I guarantee right. I can find you online talking about how you got there. I'm going to think, right. you listen to this podcast, see how you got there. Absolutely. And can I say one thing before we uh, break here about me getting here? I want to help other people get to where, where, I, where I've gotten to. Like I went from zero, absolute zero, not knowing anything about this business. So if you don't know anything about this business, don't worry. Don't worry. You can, you can get there if you want to get into this business. And I'm looking for those people that want to get in this business. I went from zero to a million. Like, and I know exactly what I did because I studied it. And I want to help other people get to zero to a million, zero to five million in this business. So, and I, and I told you, Joe, it, it's part ego and it's part gift because I want to be able to say, you know what, man, I helped 200 people build one to $10 million businesses. You know what? I feel like I, I've done something at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. You have. So let's, um, am I losing you at the top of the hour here? You got a few minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm have to jump off. Okay. Well, all right. Well, so I like to interview smart, interesting folks like you. Who else should I interview? People are killing it like you. The smart, interesting guy, and he could talk. He could really talk, and he'll give people a lot of stuff, a lot of good information because he gave it to me. Is Brian Rice from Dre Depot. He's the guy that introduced me to this industry. He's the guy that uh, got me from 
you know, zero knowledge to enough knowledge to go out on my own and start doing this. I owe the guy a, a debt of gratitude. And um, I think that if, if you have him on, other people will learn a lot from him also. Excellent, excellent. So what conference will we see you guys at? You'll see me up in Cleveland at the um, Freightways Conference. Actually, I'll be on a panel. Oh, nice. Doing a roundtable with the owner uh, or the CEO of Freightways and maybe one or two Greg more Fuller, people. yeah. Yeah, who I don't know yet, but I, I will be on, guy. on that panel. Excellent. Excellent. So what I'll do is I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to your book. If you give it to me, a, a link to bear down logistics. So anyone can reach out and talk to you guys and any other links you give me, I'll put in the show notes. Desmond, I really appreciate you taking the time and congrats on bear down logistics. And I am going to your book on audio. It's not on audio. Come on, man. Get it on yeah, audio. I know. I've heard that too many times. I need to do that. <laughs> well, maybe I'll get it on Kindle. I like those too. Desmond, thank you so much for taking the time. Joe, it's been a pleasure. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.